Hello, hello, hello. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Dragon Swords podcast. I am your host, Julie Reesteens, and it feels like it's been ages since we've had our last Dragon Swords podcast episode up on Anchor, Spotify, or whatever. And also, if you've been following me on Twitter recently or on Facebook, I do apologize for the lack or, then again, no social media updates at all i have been very very busy and i hope you guys understand it's been a few personal and other creative issues but without further ado let's get on to it we have got a former bournemouth west ham uh wales international uh plymouth argyle manager and late former late Orient manager He's none other than Carl Fletcher. I've been after Carl Fletcher for some time now. And no, it's not the guy who was in Dream Team who played for Harchester United. No, it's Carl Fletcher, the former Wales international footballer, ladies and gentlemen. And I've got him on the show with me. And I was very excited just to sit down with him and talk about his football career. So without further ado, it's me and Carl on the Dragon's Voice podcast. This podcast is sponsored by DRC Group Limited. DRC Group Limited is an official waste management company based in Cardiff. If you have any waste that needs to go and can't find the appropriate business to do it, look no further than the DRC Group Boys. They will provide you with the best service and positive attitude when it comes to solving your waste issues. And these guys are available throughout the week. If you want to get in contact with them, you can look them up on all their social media platforms on Twitter, Facebook or even Instagram or even phone them on their number at 07837 256 124. Again, if you want to contact them on all their social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter or social media or even their phone number, their phone number is 07837 256 124. If you're looking for the best quality service and the right people to get rid of your waste, then again, DRC Group Limited is the business for you. So, Carl Fletcher, former Bournemouth, West Ham, Wales. I mean, he captained for Wales as well. I mean, he captained for <laughs> quite a number of uh, teams. And one of the teams that I have a soft spot for, I don't know why, it's Plymouth. And <laughs> I, I, I don't know why Plymouth has... I, I don't know why. I, I remember going to watch a, a Cardiff City match ages ago. And obviously it was against Plymouth at the round about the time they were in the championship. But... Mm. Um, for some reason, ever since then, I've always looked up results, where they are in the league and everything, and I'm always buzzing if they won or if they get into a playoffs and everything. I don't know why Plymouth had that effect on me. Just It's just one of those random clubs that's just done that. But for you, you, you took over as sort of like a player, then a manager, and I don't know if it was a player-manager role, but I think it was around about the time where, um, what was it, Peter Ridsdale... Uh, Peter Ridsdale was then the chairman. I think you took over mm. Peter Reed's role as well sometime after. So before we get into that part, what was it like going into, you know, towards the end of your career, going into Plymouth Argyle and just playing for that club? Yeah, I mean, it was great. We'd, I'd been down there, I think in total, I think it was about four, maybe five years. Um, so it'd been a long time. Um, and a lovely part of the world to live. Do you know what I mean? I had my, my kids were really young when we were down there. 
Um, so they, they grew up for, for a period of their lives down there and we have really fond memories, made some good friends and stuff. Um, do you know I mean? Great club, great support. Um, it was just unfortunate at the time that I was there. It was just going through some, some real tough financial issues. Um, I think, you know, I think we was in the championship at the time and then it kind of came out that around the time when England were trying to get the World Cup, I think Plymouth were due to be one of the teams that would have been hosted the games. Mm. So they, they were kind of banking on that a lot. And then obviously um, England didn't get the World Cup. Um, and then it come about that, that the club had huge debts um, and it was just, yeah, it just kind of snowballed from there. Do you know what I mean? Going into administration, not getting paid for 10, 11 months and just, yeah, it was just a real tough period towards the end, which was a real shame because like I said, there's they've got a great fan base. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know what I mean? A great city, lot of history, you know, great place to live. Um, and it was just the club was going through a real, real tough time at the you know, and they, they weren't in the only club at the time. Do you know what I mean? You mm. see it often. There's lots of clubs around the country that, that get into financial difficulty. But yeah, it's really tough. It's really tough and obviously fell through the leagues. And um, yeah, it just, it just ended up with me becoming player manager. I think it was, you know, it's tough for Peter Reid. He, he kind of come into the job, I think, on false pretenses um, and maybe wasn't made fully aware of the actual financial implication. But yeah, it was um, it was a real tough period, I think, where where Plymouth have got a, a decent history. Um, and then I think towards the end, we were like down in League Two and it's, you know, you, everything starts to affect not just the football and the football club, but it's the people in the in the city and it's, you know, people going to work every day and businesses, if the club gets relegated out of the league, then it's, you know, that's affecting their businesses and shops and hotels and things like that. So um, it was a it was a stressful time to say the least, but, but fond memories, um, definitely. When Peter Ridsdale came to the club, obviously, mm. I, I don't know what sort of capacity he was there for, but obviously he was, he was not the most, uh, of course, he's a controversial figure uh, in football. And I, I just wanted to know, what was your um, opinion or what was your views of the man? You know, did you have a good working relationship with him or was there, what was it just described your, your time with Peter Ridsdale if you had a couple of hours with him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, he was, um, I think his reputation precedes him almost at times, but, but we always got on really well. Do you know what I mean? He kind of come in when, when the club went into an administration. I don't know who, whether he come in with the administrators or he come on the back of it um, for a different role. But yeah, he was, he was very influential in helping, um, you know, get through a real sticky period. I think obviously he has, you know, lots of contacts and his experience with, with, finances within football and stuff um and 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 for, for what everyone says about him he is a good guy and he does know what he's doing um and he's very passionate and he was very passionate when he came to Plymouth you know I think I think I'm right in saying there was no real kind of link there for him at all to you know for Plymouth as a club or anything like that and it, and he and he you know tried his best to keep the club afloat um you know thankfully in the end we got we got James Brent who came in and, and kind of bought the club and took away the debts and bits and bobs and things and made it a little bit more um, sure footing for the club to kind of continue. But, but yeah, everything we had with, with Peter was, was great. Do you know what I mean? He was definitely a character. Do you know what I mean? But he, um he, he was, he was, he got things done uh, and we'd gone through such, so many years from, from people kind of passing the buck a little bit and sweeping things under the carpet where, where Peter kind of come in and, and just, 
fronted it up, said what he wanted to say, didn't really care or upset, but got got things done, which was great. I think as a businessman, you 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 can't have that worrying feeling of who am I going to upset as a businessman. You just got to think right, this is the right way forward, and if you don't like it, leave. You know, um, it sometimes with that mentality, um, and I think sometimes I do feel bad because I I hence being from Barry and from Barry, I'm not far away from Cardiff. So obviously I'm going to hear a lot of uh, things about Peter Ridsdale and i got a couple of mates who are Leeds United fans. So I've I've heard a few things from them. And obviously you see a lot of people uh, not having the best of, best of comments or best of opinions about the man, but at the same time, it's always a bit, you got to try and look at it from their perspective, but you can't because sometimes you've got to be on their level to look at it from their perspective and everything. So it is a tricky scenario i i always think anyway um of of seeing it but um do you know when you sort of when you left plymouth you went to barnet yeah it was around about it's around about the time edgar david was there yeah 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 he was yeah what the hell is edgar david doing in barnet (laughs) yeah yeah it was a strange one because barnet's not too like we, we made a decision to move back to london after Plymouth, um, after I got sat there. So it was Barnet wasn't too far. And then I had a bit of time out, I think, after the, the Plymouth thing, because the four years and the administration and then the managing and just everything, it was a needed a bit of a breather. And then then I wanted because I still, I think I was still only 32, 33, I think maybe. Hmm. Um, so Barnet was close. Do you know what I mean? So I'd said I'd I'd go in there. Um and Edgar Davis was manager, and it was it was interesting to say the least um but obviously you know again reputation precedes him he's won european cups and won leagues all around europe one of the you know best best players of his time um played for some huge clubs and then went into barnet and he was manager player manager captain wore the number one shirt um took all free kicks and corners um and it was just a bit of a strange setup but but not to say that it was terrible do you know what I mean? Because he wanted, you know, Barnett to play the right way. He was very passionate about doing certain bits and, and wanted things to, to be done right and was trying to um, um, stretch the players to, to be better than what, you know, they, they currently were and try and make them better. He had a couple of good coaches with him as well from Holland. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a little bit up and down because he would play and then if he got sent off, you wouldn't see him for about three weeks and while he was suspended and stuff. So it was a little bit loose, but but he was he, he was a good guy. Do you know what I mean? He was a good guy. His heart was in the right place and he wanted to succeed. What was he um, like as a manager then, you know, when he was in the dressing rooms and everything? What was his pep tots like? What was what was he like just to, just to listen to him, you know, and what he had to say before the game? Yeah, obviously he has instant respect for everything he's done in the game, and he was very much, you know, he wanted you know Barnett to play football, and was was very keen at if 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 we didn't do that, and wanted it to to try and do it well. So, um, and like I said, with, with you know um, two Dutch coaches with him as well, so obviously kind of taking a, a Dutch philosophy, trying to get it into Barnett and instill it. And to be fair, we had some good players at the time. Do you know what I mean? Especially for that level, um, and, and and the team played some really good football. Um, I think it was the the tougher away days that 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 we struggled on sometimes with with the not so good pitches and things and trying to play out um, caused us a few problems. But he was just honest. He just wanted us to to enjoy the game, play football, um, and play well and win the game. You know, he's very passionate. You don't you don't get to achieve what he achieved in the game. Um, by 
doing things by half. You know, he was a winner and he wanted to win. Uh, and whether that be in training or in games, he was very passionate about that. So, um, yeah, it was different. It was definitely different, but um, not to say that it was wrong. Going back now to um, the very beginning of your career with Bournemouth, you know, in the first team, um, uh, the two questions I got on here is like, how did you began your career in football and also what, what was your what was your time like at Bournemouth because you, you made nearly over nearly 200 appearance, league appearances that is uh, yeah. uh, for Bournemouth and uh, you won the 2003 playoffs with them um, 5-2 against Lincoln two goals and captain there you go say no more but yeah that's it that's it um, yeah so I grew up in like Bournemouth or in, or in Paul just, just by Bournemouth um, I think I first started, first went in when I was about 11, I think, to the, the centre of excellence as it was back in the day. Um, and then kind of come through the um, kind of through the age groups, um, which was great. Um, went went to the games when I was younger with my dad. Do you know what I mean? So so supported him really as a as a boy. Um, and then just kind of went from there, went as a youth team, went as a scholar, and then lucky to get my pro and stuff like that. And since it was all I knew really, I was lucky that I had some good, good coaches coming through the academy to get me where I needed to be but yeah that was it you know it was at a time where you know you're leaving school at 16 and you're going in to be a, a youth team player it was like you just you didn't really think too much about it you just done it just carried on you weren't thinking too much about a career it was still a case of well I like playing football so I might as well go and do it um so yeah I, I was very lucky come through and then lucky enough to to captain the side and we had some some ups and downs over the years um do you know what I mean um, obviously getting relegated, then getting promoted through the playoffs, which was a great day. Do you know what I mean? Like the best way if you, you get the chance to get promoted, doing it through the playoffs at, at the millennium uh, with the roof closed and scoring a couple of goals was was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, it's always a close place to my heart, really, because obviously I grew up there. My mum and dad still live down there and stuff. So, um, yeah, I was very, very honoured to play for them. I think we, we was really lucky over the years. We had some real good loan players coming that we see, I think, in my time there was young, we had like Rio Ferdinand and Jermaine Defoe, to name but a couple. Um, we had lo lots of good younger players from from Premier League clubs that were able to come down because we seemed to have a good um, kind of history for, for letting them play and letting them kind of develop. So, um, yeah, really lucky, really lucky to be a part of it. Very good family club um, and being managed to, to keep that family feel and that community feel, even though we've gone... Club's gone obviously up into the Premier League, and obviously um, things change with that. With money, obviously more money, more things change. Um, but yeah, love it. Very close to my heart, and I'm, I'm very honoured that I was, I was able to play for him. When Jermaine Defoe came to the club, now that you mm. mentioned him, um, I, I believe this is around the early stages of his career, anyway. So it's just he, he's just trying mm. to get his boots on, and, you know, trying to get as much games as possible. Did you yourself see? That potential where he was going to go in the future, or was it was that not the the case? Did you see, oh, we we've got a player, he's good, he's going to benefit us, and then hopefully does you'll do justice for him in the future. What was your thoughts on him? <laughs> well, it's fun. It's funny, really, because we had, we had a young squad at the start of the season, so he wasn't. You didn't come in straight away, so we'd kind of gone through a little bit of a rebuild, and where there wasn't loads of money at the club, we just there was loads of young players playing, um, which was great. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, we started the season, we didn't, we weren't, we were playing okay, but we weren't getting many wins. Do you know what I mean? So it was under a little bit of pressure. I think it must have been probably about four or five games in, something like that, six games in anyway. So we're then, our next game is Stoke away. 
So we're playing Stoke away. Geez, like we're playing okay, but we're coming Stoke away that were, you know, big, big club in League One at the time. Walked in the change room and there's this five foot two, maybe at best, but no, five foot six kid, basically, sat in the corner of the change room. And then the manager's gone, oh, guys, this is Jermaine. We've got him on loan from West Ham. And we're all there, sat there thinking, gee, like, really? Is this guy going to help us get out? Like, we've just lost, like, probably five games on the spin. Is he really going to help us? Is he going to score a goal for us at League One? Can't see it. Anyway, played the game. After 45 minutes, I think he scored with a header, hit the bar back twice, hit the post twice, and just ran Stoke ragged. And we was like, this geezer's amazing. He's like... Unbelievable, and he was just so sharp, and he was so, so wanted to score goals. He was brilliant. He was brilliant, and then from then on, he just kind of took off, scored loads of goals. I think he'd done a, a period where he got ten in a row, um, which was great. Do you know what I mean, he just just added a a kind of a, a final little piece to the puzzle, almost where we had all these young players, all roughly the same age. About I think we was all around between like twenty one and twenty three. You know what I mean? We'd all hang out socially, all had good groups together. And he was just that final bit of the puzzle where we had someone to, to kind of score the goals. And he was, it did. And you could always see then after that first 45 minutes at Stoke, you could see that he was a, he was a top level player. Definitely. So I'm talking about, well, just after the playoffs, then beating Lincoln, scoring the goals, being captain and everything, um, West Ham, United came knocking for you. That must have been a bit of a shock, it's obviously being in the, the Premier League and everything. Um, it was a bit of a surprise, and especially West Ham. Uh, what was your thoughts when you went to West Ham United and when you found out that West Ham United wanted to sign you? Um, yeah, yeah. It's been... Premier League at the time. Sorry, I think they weren't in the Premier League at the time. I think they got... No, they were in the Championship, yeah. Championship, yeah. Yeah, they were in the Championship. And I think they just missed out on... They'd lost to Crystal Palace the year before in the playoffs. Mm. I think, um, to go back into the Premier League. So, yeah, I just, yeah, they just just come in. I think Bournemouth at the time, again, didn't have the finances. So any kind of offer for the players, like we, you know, we were, they were going to accept it. They weren't in a case to kind of stop it. So it was, it was flattering, really good. And I think where I'd been in Bournemouth pretty much my whole life, it's, um, you get very sheltered. You kind of get in a little bit of a bubble kind of thing. So, um once, once the offer come in and, and we got things sorted, then I was, yeah, I decided to go. It was kind of like a make or break. It'd been pretty comfortable for me to say no kind of thing, but I always wanted to, to progress. Do you know what I mean? And at the time, Bournemouth in League One, and, you know, it wasn't like we were had loads of money and suddenly we're going to say, look, we're going to go for promotion. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to go. Big club, massive club. Um, I think I actually decided, which would never happen today, I actually decided that I was going to go on the morning of like a bank holiday Monday game. So I'd actually agreed to sign. All the clubs had agreed. It, I was ready to go. And I actually played the game for Bournemouth that bank holiday Monday. So, um, which was, yeah, it was, a, it was a rubbish game. But it was, yeah, it was kind of my last game. It was away at Luton, I remember. Um, and it was, um, yeah, you'd never let it happen today because clubs have agreed fees and everyone's agreed you wouldn't do it in case an injury or something happened within the game. But I played and I remember, and it was, it was in the change room after, and it was um, our manager at the time, Sean O'Driscoll obviously knew that, that I was going and obviously told the said, asked me if I could tell the rest of the lads and he, he told the rest of the lads and it got, got quite emotional really. Cause it was, what it was 13 years, 13, 14 years I'd been there mm. kind of thing. Um, 
so yeah it was it was a big part of my life and, and all I'd known in terms of football wise um so yeah really excited to go to West Ham completely out my comfort zone going from Bournemouth to London East London at that it was yeah it was a real culture shock for me um but the best thing I'd done the best thing I'd done for not not only for football but just for my life just to be you know live in a different part of the world understand you know how different areas of the world are different people different issues different good bits I think it was great and I think I even I didn't really realize how big West Ham was until I kind of got there um and then you realize and I think first pre-season tour we went away to Sweden middle of nowhere some random pitch in amongst like mountains or something and there's like 5,000 West Ham fans there do you know what I mean? And it was just like, it's just, it was, it was, it was a great time, like being there. We had a good group. Obviously, Ginge and Gabs were there as well, which was, a, which was great. Um, and we had some really good players and we had a couple of successful seasons. So, yeah, it's really enjoyable. Really enjoyed my time. It's one of the best decisions I made. A couple of things I want to mention uh, you during your time at West Ham, you eventually got um, promotion to the Premier League. Um, but one of the games I really want to mention is I think it's I, I will mention the cup final in a bit, but uh, this one game 2 1 Spurs Spurs players had food poisoning. Uh, <laughs> I wanted yeah. to know what, but what was your what's your take on that? Did you, what did you know at that time? Uh, I, I mean, not loads really. We kind of, I think. Maybe recall it was a Sunday, maybe I think, but yeah, we would just went out as normal, and then there was a kind of um, you hear that old oh, Spurs aren't here yet, like the team's not the team bus hasn't arrived, which to be honest wasn't that uncommon because when you get teams travelling, especially the, the the teams more in the north, they travel into London because they'll be looking at maps and they'll go, oh, it's only five miles to the stadium, that will only take us ten minutes, but obviously London traffic. Mm. Um, and things like that. So that we, we'd had it a few times where the teams end up getting late just because they're stuck in traffic and things like that. So um, so that wasn't a big thing. And then it kept going and going and we were warming up and they weren't there still. And then and then we had to go back in because the kickoff was delayed. And then it come in and said, um, what did they say? They said that their team had got food poisoning. And I think there was a shout that it might be called off. They were talking about it might be called off, um, which I could never see that really happening, to be honest. Um, but yeah, yeah, game was delayed. Um, started it a bit later, and then yeah, yeah, we just we just kind of, I think they were going for Champions League at the time as well. Um, and then yeah, we just put in a real good performance as we generally do against Spurs. Um, and obviously with the with the the home crowd at the bowling um, or Upton Park, you know, always gets behind us when when things are going well. And it was yeah, it was just a, a snowball. And I think some people might say they was ill, they was off the thingy, but. It didn't feel it at the time when we was out there playing. There wasn't anything noticeable that they couldn't run around or they couldn't do this or that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, we we was we was very comfortable um, within the game and it, yeah, a real good day, real good atmosphere, real good day. So, um, is it like it's a bit awkward for me because my 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 in laws are all Spurs fans. <laughs> so so my, my brother in law, he was uh, I think he was in a pub with his with all his mates kind of thing and. Um, he was, uh, and then I obviously scored, and I think he, he he was almost like I think he wanted the ground to 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 swallow him up because everyone was looking at him going because they, they obviously knew that he knew knew me and he's like well what is he doing why is he scoring against Spurs like this is unbelievable so it was a little bit frosty in the in-laws house over the next couple of weeks but yeah it was a good day it was a real good day 
Um, and it was a good team performance. And like I said before, we had some real good players um, at that time. Um, and we're very lucky to play play with. Yeah. The start of your... When you started at West Ham United, who was the manager then? So two years we had Pardew there. So he signed me. Um, we also had Peter Grant, who was the assistant, who I'd known from Bournemouth as well. Um, so yeah, good people, good players. Like I said, we we had we had a, a core of of again similar to Bournemouth in a way. We had a core of some young players. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's similar ages. Everybody wanted wanting to do well, um, interacting socially and things like that. So yeah, it was a real good it was a real good group. Um, with Alan Pardew then. Um... What was uh, he like as a, as a manager? Because a lot of fans, I'm not going to say players, because every time I listen to Under the Cosh or whatever football podcast and Alan Pardew's name is mentioned, right, there's a lot of positivity that comes with, um, that comes with it. It's just the fans. Uh, it's not always uh, positive with the fans, which is uh, bizarre. But with you playing for playing under Alan Pardew, mm. um, what was that? What was that like? Was was that a great learning experience for you? Or? Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was, um, um, I think, I think at the at that time it was a difficult club to to manage. Do you know what I mean? Because, like you say, supporters didn't want to be in the league we were in initially. You know, if we weren't winning two nil in the championship after twenty minutes, it was kind of like getting a little bit edgy um, around the ground and stuff. So it was it's a really difficult one. I think he managed he managed that really well. Um, like I said, we had some good players, made some good signings. Um, and he and he and he snowballed the games. Do you know what I mean? Never got too um, well. What's the word? Never got too uh, concerned. Maybe about defeats. Would always believe in the squad and the team that they they would come through and do well. I think he felt he knew he had the players. Um, I think in an ideal world, yeah, it would have been automatic promotion. But obviously, going through the playoffs um, was a bonus. And I think he felt very confident with that. I think he done really well the next year when we went up into the Premier League because I think it was around the era where a lot of teams that got promoted were very happy to come in and just be very defensive do you know what I mean it was like that was like the stop gap we go oh we'll go and put everyone behind the ball and we'll still end up losing three or four nil but I remember we're going into that season it was very positive very we're going to go on the front foot this is how we're going to play we're going to go and win games we don't want to sit back you know we kind of um we took away I think the the big four or five or six teams at the time and kind of said, well, look, this is our league table, you know, everyone else below, we want to be top of that. Um, and, it, and it just added a real belief to the whole squad that, that always you get there a little bit from, from playoff and playoff success mm. and going through that because it brings everyone together and you're full of confidence. But add that on top, made some good signings in the summer that time. I think we signed um, Josai Benayoun, Paul Kaczewski, Roy Carroll. Um, Added some Dean Ashton, I think, as well, we got at the time. So um, added to the squad and we just had a good group and he was very positive with that and he, and, he, and he went with the confidence and was very on the front foot with everything we'd done, which I thought was great because it had been very easy to kind of go, oh, we might be a little bit out of our depth here or blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Do you know what I mean? But he went, no, we're going to go and attack and we're going to go and win games. We don't want to sit here and try and get a draw. So, um, yeah, he was very positive, very good and obviously always grateful for him for, for taking me there. West Ham have always got... a uh, great, I always say great, never say decent, great uh, support, um, especially well-known West Ham supporters as well. You know, you've got um, Danny Dyer and Russell Brand and 
I'll say Cass Pennon as well, because he's always, he's well known as a West Ham fan, especially of his books and everything. Uh, did you, during your time at West Ham, did you ever meet any of those guys during your time at West Ham? Yeah, yeah, there was a few floating around at the time. Um, I think there was, because um, obviously you have, you have functions and everything with, with, with certain things, sponsors and stuff. So there was a few people. I think when we played, Man City away. I think it was quarter final, maybe the FA Cup. Yeah. I think I think Ray Winston came in the change room after. I think to to it's either before or after. I can't remember if to congratulate us or to to um to wish us good luck. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. So it was yeah. So but you you knew of them about. You didn't see them all the time, but um there were there were people there. There were people with like you say with with good affiliations with the club. Um, with it being in London. Um, and they're very passionate. The supporters. Do you know what I mean? Whether they're big superstars or just the, the guy down the road and it's and it's inbred in, in the people and the families in that area and and you really have to buy into that to kind of be part of that at West Ham and I think when we were there at the time we had a lot of people that done that um which was great great and obviously showed with the success um on the pitch and that so yeah it was um it was a real good time like I said it was a real eye-opener for me going from Bournemouth to London and everything that comes with London um and it was it was a really really good time and we've still got i've still got really really good friends that i see today from from the time at, at west ham um that we're really close with going on to the fa cup final then so the two, 2006 fa cup final 2005 uh to 2006 season uh, tournament playing against liverpool millennium stadium i remember being in cardiff then and i was wondering what the hell is going on um <laughs> uh you literally took Liverpool right to the very end, nearly to yes. right to the end. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and we did. We did it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a funny one, really, because I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't playing that much that season. Do you know what I mean? We got into the Premier League. We bought some new players, um, and it was more uh, Hayden Mullins and Nigel Riokoka that were playing in midfield. So I wasn't playing loads. Um, so, which is a shame. But then we played Liverpool a few weeks before in the league, in the league, and uh, Louis Garcia and Hayden Mullins both got sent off, which both meant they missed the cup final. So, um, which was a real shame for Hayden because he'd had a really good season, done really well. Um, but fortunately, it was it would you know give me an opportunity. So I played a few games towards the end of the season, I think, which included the Spurs one, um, and then obviously played the FA Cup final. So, um, yeah, it was it was. I, I mean, I was lucky enough. Um, because it was at the millennium, I was lucky enough to obviously have played there with Wales and 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 knew what the atmosphere was like and knew about the drive. I think we stayed at the Verlick and Morgan where we used to stay with Wales at the time. So there was a lot of similarities for me, which was great, it was perfect. Um but it was just when when we got into the stadium, it was just it was so loud. Like mm. I can't even like it was really, really loud. There's only a few games that I played in um that have been really loud i think wales england was was one as well and but this was it was just so loud it was definitely there's literally you could you could not speak to someone five yards away from you it was really hard to hear i think that's one of my abiding memories from that and um yeah the game went really well i mean i don't think we played that well if i'm going to be brutally honest um but we ended up like we, we were two nil up to begin with like um early in the game and then two one and then conch through a token cross stroke shot that he was probably go usually goes out of play but went in the thingy and we, we was taking them all down to the wire and we were three two with yeah e even with about 
10 minutes to go, we, we not felt comfortable because you never feel comfortable when you play against a team of Liverpool's quality and they'd had a really good year that year. Um, but but we, we didn't feel like we was loads under the cosh. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like there were like there's loads of balls in the box and we're, you know, last ditch tackles and clearing it off the line and things like that. So um, I'd actually come off about 70 minutes and was on the bench with, with the other guys and we're all, no one really wanted to say anything, do you know what I mean? But we're like going and time get going on. They're all on the floor. Like every time the ball goes out of play, they're cramping or they're tired or, do you know what I mean? You could just see they were physically kind of out of the game. So your belief grows. And then, yeah, out of nothing really, he smashes a ball in from 35 yards into the corner and it's just, yeah, it's um, yeah, devastating, I think, is, a, is the right word for it because we were like 30 seconds, not even that, 20 seconds away from, from winning the FA Cup, which you know, as you know, is a highlight of, of every young fan stroke players kind of, especially for, for, for my era. I'm obviously mm. a bit older than you. Um, but um, yeah, it was something you grew up with watching year on, year out kind of religiously. And then we were, we were that close to winning it. Um, and I think with that, the belief kind of went in extra time and with penalties as well, which, you know, no one obviously said, you don't say, oh, we're definitely going to lose it now. But I think subconsciously, we felt, you know, if we don't get a goal in extra time and it, even if that goes to penalties, we're going to struggle because I think Rayner had saved, was the number one penalty saver in that year. I think they'd yeah. had a few other, um, uh, what do you call it, a few other penalty shootouts where he'd done really well and won games for him. So, yeah, it was it was devastating, really. And I don't think even to this day, I've not even watched the game back. Um, I've seen the goals back and stuff, but I've, I've not watched the game fully. And it was just, it was just, it was just such a shame. Do you know what I mean? Because you wanted to do it for all the fans. Do you know what I mean? Go down in history at a club to be winning the FA Cup. Um, and yeah, it's a great experience to play in the FA Cup, but you want to win it. If you're there, you want to go and win it. And it was just, yeah, it was just Stephen Gerrard is is a is a bastard. Really, <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. But he's he's probably the only player that could have scored from that distance at that time of the game with everything that was going on. I don't think there was anyone else, definitely not on the Liverpool team, you know, anyone else in the other teams, I don't think could have done that either. Do you know what I mean? Really, deep down, if, I, think he, I think he even mentioned, I think he said before, the only reason he shot is was because he was that tired, he couldn't take a touch and, do you know what I mean, do something else with it. So he just decided to hit it. Gamble. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, real shame. Real, real shame. So, yeah. You know what? The thing about the FA Cup in West Ham is that it, it, it's always... Um, it's always been, I'm not saying it's always been West Ham's FA Cup, but when you think of the FA Cup at West Ham, you do think of like Bobby Moore and you, you think of mm. some of Jeffers and you think of some of the best players ever and you want to really be on the, the level, you want to be standing in the legacy with, with those kind of players who have won the FA Cup. So if you won the FA Cup there, you go, well, the squad who won it back then, we're on their level now, we're really, we're up there. So, yeah. in, and and for, for West Ham fans, I mean, I've always I've always said if I was ever a player, um, and this is not me being bullshitting or anything like that, because we always had fun topics to talk about. I mean, apart from Barry Town myself, my my family are all Everton. So um okay. you're all Everton, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, especially my dad. Um, but we've always I've always said, um, if I was ever a player. The only the only time I ever want to win the FA Cup would be at obviously Everton, 
because they won it in 95 and I was born a year after. So if I was ever a player, I want to win it then. Or West Ham, because the history they've got of winning the um, the FA Cup and everything, it's, it seems so sweet. And so it will be memorable and you'll be on the level of standing next in line of the legacies of Bobby Moore and Jeff First and everyone. So it's that nice mm-hmm. feeling to have. Maybe, would it be nice to have the club? But I've always said those two clubs, if you win it for them, then... Phew, well, yeah, this is it. And I think that, like you say, it's very similar, the, the, the clubs. Um, and they they treat their people, you know, the Eric's players that achieve stuff really well. And ultimately, as a player, you want to you want to win stuff. Do you know what I mean? You want to win stuff. And then because that's that's the main things you remember at the end of the at your end of your career. Do you know what I mean? Is your medals and the things you achieved. So, um, yeah, yeah, it would have been it would have been perfect. Do you know what I mean? It would have been perfect. But. Some things aren't just meant to be, and I think it was time. It was around that the time as well, where it was like the big clubs were kind of dominating a lot of things, and obviously West Ham would have been seen as a an underdog. And you know, you probably had every fan apart from Liverpool fans kind of back in West Ham at the time, and it just it just would have been yeah, it would have been perfect. I almost felt it felt like we deserved it, but sometimes um, yeah, sometimes football just has a, a funny way of shaking it up when you least expect it. All right, let's get down to the nitty-gritty of Wales then. So, 2004 to 2009, um, so many notes, so many questions, because um, the one thing I want to know is, how did you get the eligibility of, of going for Wales? Was that your mum? Was that your dad? Was it your grandparents? Um, how yeah. did you pull up? Okay. So, so it, that come from my nan, who okay. was from Gwent. Um, so, we spent a lot of time in Wales um, when I was younger. Do you know what I mean? Go and visit my nan, visiting family and stuff. So um, I got the call up, I think it was 2004 when I was at Bournemouth at the time in League One. Um, and Mark Hughes was the manager. So yeah, absolute no brainer. As soon as I got the call, didn't expect it. Didn't, do you know what I mean? Didn't, didn't kind of, you know, I was kind of just fully focused on Bournemouth at the time, really, I think. So um, yeah, got the call up and it was like, yeah, definitely straight away. I'm coming up. I think it was a Sunday. I got the call literally packed my bags and then drove from Bournemouth to, to Cardiff like that night, uh, ready for training the next day. Mm. So, um, yeah, yeah. Just, just, um, yeah. Nervous again, another thing out your comfort zone, but yeah, just pleased to do it. And then to kind of, I think I went from, yeah, Sunday after Sunday evening at home into Wales the next day, training the next day with the likes of, do you know what I mean? Gabs and, savage and bellamy and gigs and stuff like that and it was just yeah it was just a absolute whirlwind really but the best best feeling ever best feeling ever yeah what about um was gary speed there during when he was yeah 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 he was yeah so um obviously a more elder statesman of the of the group at the time um and just i had a few a few camps with him and he just I don't think I can say anything that's not already been said, but mm. just to reiterate, what what a great person. Do you know what I mean? Both as a player and and just as a human being as well. Mm. Just made everyone, treated everyone equally. Do you know what I mean? Without without giving out loads of bullshit. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, he was very honest, very, very, um, what's the word? He's just a proper man. Yeah. Just a proper man. Do you know what I mean? And everyone liked him. Great player versatile just a good person to be around and I think 
he, he was a, a huge, huge part of um, the success the team as on the pitch and 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 Wells as a as a um, what would you call it? You know, like a like an FA kind of as a as a what's the word I'm looking for? Wales as a association, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Kind of are uh, reaping the rewards of what he kind of give to that, to that, to to the to the football side and to the management side. Um, and I just, yeah, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of him. And and I think you know everyone's the same. Whoever's kind of come in contact with him. Well, it, it speaks highly volume of what he's done for Wales, especially when uh, going back. I mean, th- this recording won't be until maybe we're in what September times. So we won't be in. Maybe in October it will. Mm. Um, but going on to the Wales and Estonia game, it was on his birthday. It would have yeah. been 52nd birthday. In the 52nd minute, everyone just stood up and clapped with Gary Speaks' mm. picture on it. And that just speaks. And I, I choked up because, yeah. yeah. don't get me wrong, he, he was one of my favourite Wales players, Welsh players, mm. to ever put on the shirt, to put on the captain armband. And, you know, it, it was that special moment of that's how much he, he means to Wales because we will always remember him no matter what. And like um, a certain Mr. Ryan Giggs, because <laughs> a lot of people now have gone back to the, the, the well, in my area, I don't know about you because you've played alongside him. And this is the question mm. I was going to ask you is um, a lot of Wales fans are sometimes bitter about Ryan Giggs because of um, the lack of, they say the lack of games, even though I look at his caps and I think, well, that's pretty lot of caps with 60 or 70 odd caps. That's pretty mm. impressive to me, but yeah, um, c- could be less. I don't know, but it was a lot. Anyway, it's like a lot of fans now have gone back to the bitterness because of what he's done and everything. But a lot of people were saying, oh, is he really that passionate for Wales? But for you, because you were around him and you played with him and everything, mm. um, what was what was that like to play playing for him? Uh, playing for him, playing with him. Uh, mm. What was it like as just the person then? And also, um, could be wrong, but just throw it out there. Probably a silly question, but did some players have that? Hmm. You know, same re- reception as what some of the fans have, where they just go, I don't know, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I see what you. I see what you're saying. I think. Um... I think first and foremost, I think like as, as a person, as a player, like great guy. I think again, like when I said, you know, one minute I'm playing for Bournemouth, then I'm I'm you know playing with these guys, and um, you don't realise how um, what's the word? You didn't realise how famous they were. Mm. Not really, to be honest. Like I think you know we used to go away to travel away, and you know we'd all walk out of, out of the airport, and there'd be like you know a hundred photographers none of them taking photos of us or looking at us and they just wait for, for Ryan Giggs to come out. Do you know what I mean? But he was a real down-to-earth guy. Do you know what I mean? He used to join in and, in bits that we used to do because obviously, you know, you spend a long time in the hotel um, um, and you try and do certain bits to kind of keep you occupied, you know, table tennis, cricket and stuff. And he would join in. He would join in. But it was it was kind of a quite secluded for him because it wasn't easy for him to kind of just go out and just walk down Cardiff or go out to here or to there kind of thing. Because, you know, at the time, Manchester United were as big as they could ever be kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, really nice guy. I've met him a few times as well since on my coaching courses. Do you know what I mean? Always have a good chat. But, yeah, really, really good guy. Do you know what I mean? Really like him. Very down to earth. Um, I think the thing about, like, where you, you know, you're saying that maybe, oh, you know, he's getting the job. I think 
I think Mark Hughes's first job was the Welsh job as well. Mm. Would that be, that'd be right. No, one thing I was I was saying is is his uh, dedication to to Wales because a yeah. lot of fans have been critical of his, you know, every time I don't know if it was the power of influence from Sir Alex that yeah. made him stop to go to games, and which is which a lot of fans question his mm. commitment as a not just a Welsh player but as a Welshman as well. I think okay, um, that's what I was um, trying to come as because I was I was optimistic with Ryan Giggs when he came in as manager. Because yeah. not only it was not just him, because it's like you said, uh, I'm, I'm I'm getting used to calling Mark you Sparky now. I don't even know the guy, <laughs> Mark. Because a lot of players I've interviewed, they say Sparky, and I'm trying. I'm yeah, saying yeah. Sparky now. It's Mark Hughes is one of them. Um, Mike England. Um, there was a Mike Smith, and there was um, Jimmy Murphy. All of which have done success, especially Jimmy Murphy, who's. Oh, he was a gifted coach with Manchester United and everything. And during the time he had to take over during the Munich Air disaster, but at the same time he was taking Wales to the World Cup in okay. in, in the quarterfinals. And that was his first yeah. managerial. Well, he was a couple of years of experience behind Wales managerial, but mm. he took him there. So I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't questioning whether the Wales job was going to be um, the right call for him the right position for him but it's like any anything else a lot of people would always question his dedication as he was as a player because there was a lot of there was a lot of times where there may be in uh, friendlies or a handful of friendlies or maybe some qualifying matches where she didn't turn up um mm. so i didn't i was only asking like did the players felt like that but then you just said that oh no it's just right right yeah nice. yeah no I, I never got that sense at all mate um i think he was always always for you know when he was there he you know for whatever the reasons if there were games that he wasn't there then you know I don't know what it is but it was I think when he was there he was fully committed do you know what I mean he always wanted Wells to do well he always wanted the players around him to try and you know do well as a group do well as a team you know what I mean so yeah I never got that sense at all that he was kind of didn't want to be there or anything like that he was fully invested um, and and you, and you see that in some of his performances, and I think you know probably at the time, a lot of the time when when he was coming through, the the Welsh squad probably you know well it wasn't as as good, didn't have the quality that it does now. Do you know what I mean? So mm. um, yeah, it, it would have been. I'm sure. Look, I don't know for sure, but I'm only going for my opinion. I'm sure it would have been tough for him mm. to kind of you know, kind of make that change from, from Man United and Wales and stuff. But I never, never, ever got a sense of that he didn't want to be there or mm. thinking he was always fully invested, always wanted to do well and always wanted to win. So, and like I said, it was just just a, a very honest, down-to-earth, humble guy um, that wanted to do well. So, um, yeah, no, I never got that sense at all, mate, to be honest, never. Fair enough. Um, one, one person, <laughs> John Toshak, coming in as manager and uh, Big Tosh, right, here we go. Let's go. Come on, come on, Carl. Let's let's see. Let's see some things. No, I think. Um, yeah, it was. I want to say I don't want. I don't want to say a difficult period because um, I've got a, a, a lot of respect for for John Toshak and what he's done in the game. Do you know what I mean? To go and win titles in Spain and things like that in the playing career, and obviously it's a different era. Of course it is, but you still have to respect that. I think. I think the biggest thing was there was such a change from, I mean, I didn't have loads of camps with, with um, Mark Hughes, but there was such a change from that to then when John Toshak come in, that it was, it was chalk and cheese. 
kind of thing. And I'm sure other players have spoke about it before. You know, we went from uh, Mark Hughes and all his coaching staff really wanting to be at the forefront of trying to do everything that that a lot of the players were getting at their clubs anyway. Do you know what I mean? Where dinner times, you know, they could get whatever they want and videos and blah, 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 all kind of, you know, on point in terms of warm-ups and who's taking the warm-ups and the training and the preparation and stuff like that. And then it just kind of changed a little bit. But not to say that that's wrong, mm. do you know what I mean? Because it was just different. Um, and it was at times difficult to take because if you're getting a certain way that you're used to with Wales and a certain way you're used to with your club and then to change it all about, which maybe could be perceived as being a little bit old school, then it's going to be a little bit difficult for some, some people to take mm. kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it was different. It was definitely different. Um, but we, we still had some good times. You know what I mean? We had a lot of, lot of good, um, a lot of good camps, made some good friends. We had a good group. Do you know what I mean? Ginge, Gabs, Ernie, Joe Ledley, uh, Carl Robinson. Do you know what I mean? We made some good friends there. Simon Davis, who was my roomie. Um, yeah, it was just, it was, <laughs> I don't know how else you want me to more to put this other than, <laughs> it was different. Yeah. What do you want me to say? But I, th- I think as well at the time, there was players that were looking to retire as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think there was getting to a, there was a cycle and where, you know, just missing out on qualification was kind of like, you know, the natural cycle, maybe some players leaving. And it was a, it was a transitional period at that time. Um, but as a person, I thought John was, he was a, a, a great guy. Do you know what I mean? Loads of stories, funny guy. Do you know what I mean? So. One of the um, things, one of the things that's, sorry to cut you off there. I was, I was listening to, uh, right. to the Jones's uh, podcast, Longman's podcast. And he had Jermaine Easter on, on, on the podcast, on the show. And, I don't know if you were there, but he was he was announcing Toshak was announcing the, the, the squad lineup or something for the game. And he kept getting Jermaine's name wrong or something like that. <laughs> he called him Jerome or something. Was you there when that happened? I think I might have been. I think I might have been, to be fair. Um yeah, I mean, names any kind of particulars was not John's strong point. So anything anything factual, like actual people's names and stuff like that. So um I think because it was uh me and Carl Robinson were, were playing quite a bit in the in the midfield, and he and he used to just call us the two Carls. Oh, blah, blah, we'll do this, blah blah. You play there, you play there, and the two Carls in midfield. But I think he didn't really know the difference between Carl Fletcher and Carl Robinson mm. either. So he probably just says the two Carls to get it out of the way. But he was, um, yeah, yeah, he was, he was, um, yeah, stepping back a few years, I would say, like mm. I said. But again, not to say that was wrong or or was anything, but. He was he was dedicated to the role, um, and that you know, whatever situation you're in, there's always positive to get out of it. Um, and I think the good thing was in that period, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the start of, you know, almost the, the golden generation. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You know, your Ramseys, your Bales, um, Gunter. Do you know what I mean? James Collins coming through longer. I mean, who else would be in there? Vokes and Hennessy and Harlots and Carno. Hal Robson Carton, do you know what I mean? These younger players were suddenly kind of coming through. So, um, do you know what I mean? It was a, it was, which, which I remember we were playing a lot of games with a lot of them young, younger ones playing as well. But, and almost at times, you know, maybe results or performances could have been better, but it was standing in good stead for, for not then, but for the future. Mm. So, like you say, you look at them all now. I mean, Gunts has got what, 
4,000 caps now. We must be, what, 78 <laughs> yeah, yeah. or something like that. But do you know what I mean? But they were, they were all playing and they were playing regularly in these games and the, the experiences they got from them stood them, you know, you could arguably say stood them in good stead for when they got to the semi-finals in the Euros. Yeah. Do you did know you, what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. Did you knew that the likes of Bale and Ramsey had that potential to reach... Yeah, very- yeah it's basically retired me. Reece, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, I was... I was going to camps and it's like you got Ramsey in midfield, Joe Allen, Dave Edwards, David, all young. And I was getting older and um, I was due to have twins as well. So I had three kids under two um, and it was just, and I, I wasn't, they were better than me. Do you know what I mean? They were better than me. So I thought, do you know what? I'll just call it a day when I did. Um, enjoyed my time, but I knew they were, all these players were coming through and they were, they were good, good players, really good players. And they were, like I said, they were still so young and they were playing and they were getting that experience. Um, and it was great to see, really good to see. Two, two last questions on, on uh, Wales then. Um, one of them being as an individual, another individual who's a bit of a character as well. Just make sure you don't find him in Cardiff City's Chippy Lane with a golf club or something like that. And that's Craig Bellamy. Um, <laughs> Any, any stories, any good stories about Craig Bellamy? Um, I'll tell you. Uh, what, every I'll day, you every day's one. a good story with Craig Bellamy. Yeah, on, I'll tell you a funny one, right? So um, I still do every now and then. But when I was a little bit younger, um, I always collected autographs, as some youngster, youngsters do. But when uh, Bellamy first came to Cardiff, um, he was, you right, very early. Um, I don't know what for, maybe a contract or whatever. And there was only three or four of us there. And he came down. So one guy being cocky, he's like, oh, I'll go to. He went, oh, Bellamy, sign this. And he went, fuck off. And he literally just <laughs> gave him a mouthful, right? And I, now, Ben, I'm only a kid at that time, a little bit younger. And, and I just went, oh, I don't, should I, shouldn't I? So I started like, doing like that creepy toe up to someone as you're scared. And I said, excuse me, yeah. um, excuse me, Craig, could you sign this? And he went, not a problem, mate. And he just signed my t shirts. And I just went, okay then. And he funny went, and he went, here you go, mate. Thank you very much. And I just turned to the other guys who I'm with. I went, what's all that about? And and um, and funny enough, one of the security guards looked at me and went, manners don't cost much. Shout out to all of them. See, manners don't cost much. And and I went, ah, bye. And it was me like shaking with the t-shirt because I just seen telling me. <laughs> Shouting at this one guy, and then next you know he's yeah, yeah, yeah. me. So yeah, um, yeah. No, he's he's a his character. Look, Craig's Craig. Do you know what I mean? But I think um, I think the biggest things I found when when I was there in the squads with him, um, he's sets him himself and other people high demands. He's pro- he's a better footballer than I first thought he was. Um, he's he's a lot better than I first first thought he was. Um, actually playing with him um, and, he, and he loves football his knowledge of football is like ridiculous he's like he's got this thing where he just takes in all football like anything like World Cups or anything like that he'll know him do you know what I mean and he and he loves the game do you know what I mean and you probably see that now where he's, I think he's coaching in, in Anderlecht isn't he mm. um, with, the, with the 23s over there so um, yeah he, he loved football and yes look he made high demands and yes <sighs> when the high demands he felt weren't met, he may have, you know what I mean, expressed his views maybe too harshly at times. Do you know what I mean? But I think the biggest thing you learn as you get older, do you know what I mean? There's always different 
reasonings behind certain things. And ultimately, when you're playing together, you don't have to like everyone. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You, but you play with them and you're professional. You know, I mean, I had loads of people that I played with that I don't like. Or I have loads of people that play with me that definitely don't like me. I know that much. But um, um, but yeah, yeah, you, you appreciate them for what they are. And I think I think Craig had, you know, for everyone that played with him, had the appreciation of what he could bring to the team. Do you know what I mean? Because we all wanted to win and we knew that we had a better chance of winning with Craig in the team. Last one is uh, you managed to captain for Wales uh, mm. against Iceland, but then injury sort of got in, the, got in the way with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't remember the date. I don't know if you've got the date there, but was it in the off? Was it in like May, something like that? I haven't got the date. I just, I put down there, it was against Iceland. Yeah. Captain for Wales. And it was like 40, after 40 odd minutes. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we played we played Iceland away, which is a lovely place to go. Captain aside, like like just yeah, what an honour. Just just um something I'd never even thought I could achieve. Do you know what I mean? When I was younger, so yeah, hugely honoured. Um, played the game. Game was going all okay, and then I just I, I rolled my ankle. I can't remember how I got tackled or something, and then just just tore my ankle ligament. So had to get stretched off, which was which was uh, yeah, really really devastating. Um, it's a real shame because you know I wanted to go and captain inside. I wanted to win the game and and kind of go from there. Um, I think I was sat next day. I was sat in the hotel as well, and I think at that time I think Iceland had a, an earthquake as well while I was sat in the hotel room. So the whole hotel room was shaking and I'm thinking, what the hell's going on here? And it's only like a little bit after you realise they had an earthquake. Um, so not the best trip in the world, but but something I'm just yeah so honoured about. And the fact that I got a goal for Wales as well. I mean, I should have scored a few more, to be honest. I had some chances um, like through the games that I played, but I only got one goal. Um, I think it was at Wrexham, I think, against Norway. Mm. So I'm pleased to get that as well. So just... Yeah, just achievements that that I've been really lucky enough to tick off, and I'm. There's always a bit of me that I wanted more. I wanted more caps. I wanted more to captain it more. I wanted to score more goals. But you know, to 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 kind of do what I've done, I've been so lucky. Do you know what I mean? And there's there's people that give their right arm for that, and I'm I'm just so um, really thankful for that I was able to experience them experience meet the people I've met and get them kind of games under the belt and yeah I'm just just so happy for it really to be honest a uh, couple of last questions then for concluding the podcast I want to say thanks uh, again Carl for coming on and just talking about your career and everything really do appreciate you finding the time um, mm. so one of them is going to be at Crystal Palace so uh, there's two names obviously it's like Peter Taylor but then is Neil Warnock uh, so <laughs> yeah uh, let's get down to it Neil Warnock yeah. um, so playing first team football under Peter Taylor regularly but then when Neil Warnock came in obviously things yeah. change any manager yeah. any new manager comes in things are going to change so um, what was it what was it like for you though when Neil Warnock came in yeah no it, it was a difficult period I think because like I'd originally like um, Peter Taylor come in and bought me from West Ham. So, um, so after the cup final, I only had a year left on my contract. And, and like I said to you earlier, I wasn't playing a lot like that season. I got the games at the end because Hayden got injured. I'd on the bench a few, like a few times where you're being a central midfielder, you're not always going to be used on the bench like sometimes. So there was a lot of that season that I wasn't, I wasn't playing. And that was, that was, yeah, that was tough. That was getting me down. Um, 
so yeah palace come in for the you know they 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 uh put a bid in spoke to a few people said about about peter taylor said yeah go do you know what I mean if you want to go then go um Pardew was really good he said look we've had a bid we've accepted the bid he said if you want to go great if you want to stay here and and fight for your place and so he said great as well so he was really do you know what I mean very very um easy with me it wasn't like look get out the door kind of thing um he was very I think he understood that where I'd been used to playing for like you said 200 plus things week in week out with Bournemouth and then to go to West Ham and 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 not get as much game time as as I was used to that was um he knew that I wanted to play basically he knew that I wanted to play so yeah I made that decision in hindsight probably yeah made the wrong decision definitely made the wrong decision I should have stayed at West Ham for the the last year of my contract I should have done that um but hindsight's a wonderful thing and you don't really realize that till it's too late anyway kind of thing so yeah made a decision went Peter Taylor he was fine started off really well I think there was a, a difficult period in the club because they'd just been relegated mm. from the Premier League and they're looking to go back up and then there were new players coming in myself James Scowcroft Sheffy Kuki Mark Kent a few others and there were ones that had been there that I think the club were trying to get rid of but mm. couldn't so there was kind of a Nothing, nothing it, no issues between the two players or anything, but it's just a little bit of a mess. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of a transitional phase. So, yeah, Peter Taylor, lovely guy and stuff. Really nice. I think it just didn't click with, with him and the players and stuff. Just didn't work. So he obviously left. And then and Neil Warnock coming, which um, was, um, again, different. Um, n- not something I was used to in terms of, playing under that kind of manager because I've never had done that before um, but appreciated it no didn't, didn't enjoy that's the wrong word when I say didn't enjoy it probably didn't enjoy the way that the game was played mm. but appreciated it for how he managed it and how he got the best out of players so um, it was quite a good learning experience for me even though I wasn't playing I was on the bench a lot and I think I started to get a little bit older and you get a little bit less cynical and you get a little bit mischievous more kind of probably appreciation for certain mm. things um and understood what he was doing and could see it for what he was doing rather than just being a, a petty young footballer going well why am I playing them mm. do you know what I mean classic footballer where you just sulk and things like that but yeah I was a little bit older so I appreciated it and and like I said you take a lot of what he does um and how he gets the best out of you know players that maybe weren't playing at we're playing at a lower level than than what he wants and he, he gets the best out of them. So yeah, really appreciate that. He's a great character. Do you know what I mean? Great guy, cleverer than I think what a lot of people think, very clued up more than what a lot of people think, um, just with everything around the club. Um, and yeah, so I was there three years. You know, we had some great Christmas do's and birthdays, thanks to thanks to the chairman, Mr. Simon Jordan. So they, they were they were highlights. You know, we used to go to into London and used to put the whole thing on for the club and have famous comedians and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And it was it was brilliant. Um, I met some good people there. Um, and but but yeah, again, hindsight shouldn't have moved there, shouldn't have left West Ham when I did. I just I should have just seen out my last year my contract um and kind of see where it gone from there. But um yeah, again, appreciative for the experience at Palace. And I went from Palace to uh to um Plymouth permanently. Um, but yeah, he was good. He was good, Warnock. He was, like I said, crackers, but but very clever with it. 
That's is he is he is he quite fondly revered in in Cardiff? He must be, mustn't he? Oh, he's, his he's, time at Cardiff. He's well loved. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, for my gathered anyway, a lot of Cardiff City fans loved him. They 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 didn't want him to go. Um, mm. They really didn't want him to go. I think um, some some look at it as a bit unfair that he left the way he left uh, Cardiff because yeah. this man who got him out of relegation in in his first. Let's say season because yeah. he, he only came in halfway, but then in his second season, got him promoted to the Premier League and obviously the Premier League season, and then it came back down and then he tried to, but then they were floating around in the mid table. But I, I felt that they should have given him a little bit more time with his last yeah. season with, with Cardiff. But uh, Middlesbrough, I hope he does well with Middlesbrough because mm. I think he's because he's getting to a point now where. A lot of people, because he's in his early 70s, for crying out loud, a lot of people are thinking, is he ever going to retire? Is he ever going to stop? Because a lot of people are celebrating him now as a... A lot, a lot of people are celebrating him now as a, um, a cult figure in, in football because, yeah. of his, because of his attitude to the game. And obviously, those that Sheffield United documentary on Sky Sports and, and uh, other things. And yeah, people yeah, are just yeah. loving him because I think he's one of the last... I want to say breeds, but one of the last old-fashioned managers to keep in the yeah. game. So. Yeah, I think what he does really well, I think he goes into clubs and he and he, he gives the club an identity. So mm. if a club, they're struggling for like, well, what are we doing? How are we playing? What, you know what I mean? Kind of mix them out. He goes in and gives them that identity. This is what we're doing. It's the Neil Warnock identity. We're going to do it and we'll get results of it. Um, and he's done that. Like I said, he's done that all the clubs. He's done that at Palace. We was kind of in between, do you know what I mean? But he said, no, this is what we're doing and we'll be successful and we'll score goals and will run hard and and everything that your fans want really and it, and he epitomizes that so um it's interesting to see that you know you could argue that Mick McCarthy may be on a, a, a similar vein but you know Cardiff having you know a bit of success under Mick McCarthy and be definitely a um a force to be reckoned with in in the championship this season on the on the back of that kind of thing so yeah i think it, he, what he does he does really well but he's yeah he's very um um charismatic and and a great character and and yeah just but again someone I'm really lucky to to have been able to to have someone manage me uh, and play under last question and and uh for the for the podcast and it's a bit of a tradition is how do you look back on your career uh geez um yeah but I, I feel very lucky I think I feel very lucky I think uh looking back now I should have played longer um because I think I retired at about 32 after I made the decision at Plymouth when I went from player to player manager to manager, I just went, I'll, I'll just stop playing, which I shouldn't have done, really, because I, I think I was fairly fit. I mean, I wasn't getting any quicker, I'll tell you that much, and I was getting less hair, but um, I could have done a few more years, I think, definitely, on the back of that. Um, but, yeah, just just really honoured, like, really lucky to, A, meet the people I've met, work with the people I've worked with, travel round you know, Europe and, and, and parts of the world on the back of football and just had so many experiences with so many different types of people. I've, I've, I've been really lucky, really, really, really lucky. And I think it's like I said, when I said to you before about the move from Bournemouth to, to West Ham and it was like, look, I had to get out of the bubble of Bournemouth. It's the best thing. It's the best thing that happened to me because it just gives you, you know, football such an important part and such a big part of your life. You, you know, you want it to, you know, it's not, the be all and end all there is your life you have to have some perspective so there is like the life after football but the experiences you get through football can set you up for or help you with your life after and, and I'm, I'm very thankful for that um 
definitely would have liked an FA Cup winners medal. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, um, and would have liked to have won more. And like I said, but but I'm very appreciative for for where I've got to and what I've done. This podcast is sponsored by DRC Group Limited. DRC Group Limited is an official waste management company based in Cardiff. If you have any waste that needs to go and can't find the appropriate business to do it, look no further than the DRC Group Boys. They will provide you with the best service and positive attitude when it comes to solving your waste issues. And these guys are available throughout the week. If you want to get in contact with them, you can look them up on all their social media platforms on Twitter, Facebook or even Instagram. Or even phone them on their number at 07837 256 124. Again, if you want to contact them on all their social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter or social media, or even their phone number, their phone number is 07837256124. If you're looking for the best quality service and the right people to get rid of your waste, then again, DRC Group Limited is the business for you.